show. Obviously, you're not a golfer. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pops Blue Ribbon! You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. Money, 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 money! I drink your milkshake! I drink it up! Son of a bitch. Stole mine. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> So you ready to go bacon on this? <laughs> well, I don't want to. I guess I'd rather go bacon than than ham. It was oh hard ass, <laughs> hard as a motherfucker, hard as a motherfucker. Is that H A A M or is the second A just implied? I don't. It's just H A M. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know what it was at, at first. Because I kept hearing it, and I think Kanye made it up, so that's probably why <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Because it should be ha-amph. Right? <laughs> right? I, I guess suppose. motherfucker could be one word. Yeah, or at least have a I, little hyphen in there. I guess the second A is implied. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got that taken care of. <laughs> um, today, we're talking about the Warriors. Facts. Facts? Facts. True. Yes. We're talking about the Warriors. <laughs> facts. <laughs> Not alternative facts. No. Real facts. Real facts, because this is a real fucking show. That's right. This is WTM. Watch this movie. That's Welcome right. Back. I'm your host, Eric Mulder. Eric, he is a bad, bad man. Joining me once again, Mr. Wolfie T. What's going on? Facts. Wait for the wolf who should be coming directly. You send in the wolf? That's right. Wolfman is here. I'm here. You already got a gang name. I just have Mulder. Another, what? The Wolfman or Wolfie T? It's going to be like, because they all have cool names. Ajax and Bacon and... Bacon? I thought there was somebody named Bacon in there. That's what I thought you were talking about in the beginning. No, it was... That's a... Not uh, one of the warriors, another guy. No. Hmm. That's a music reference. Ah. That's a music reference. <laughs> no, they're like, what, Ajax, Cochise? Yeah. Ajax is based off of a name of a Greek warrior. Yeah. Which is a little bit of an influence to this film, which Co- we'll talk about. Cochise was a black dude, but he wore Indian uh, feathers. Yeah, he did. That he did. Cowboy wore a cowboy hat. <laughs> What would you wear if you were on the Warriors? If I was on the Warriors, I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't wear a hat. There's some guys who didn't have hats. You'd probably grow out your beard long and long hair, grow it out. Yeah, that'd probably be it. Yeah, they got those sweet vests. They are Leather pretty vests. Sweet. Yeah, their colors are pretty sweet. Let's get into the deets for the Warriors. Let's came, do it. Came out in 1979. Directed by Walter Hill, starring Michael Beck as Swan. I'm going to go through their names here. Um, James Remar as Ajax. Dorsey Wright as Cleon. 
Uh, Brian Tyler is Snow. David Harris is Cochise. Tom McKitterick is Cowboy. Um, Marce- Marcelino Sanchez is Rembrandt. And Terry Mikos is Vermin. I the, believe that's all the main warriors. So there was Fox, but he uh, wasn't in the credits. Yeah. And I which forget. one is Fox? He's the one that gets thrown in front of a train. Okay. That's Fox. Yeah. Apparently there was some kind of dispute there, so they uh, wrote him off. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get to that. Um, Deborah Van Valkenburg plays Mercy. Um, Roger Hill played Cyrus. David Patrick Kelly as Luther. And I also have to mention Lynn Thigpen is the DJ. Now Lynn Thigpen is the woman from uh, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. Listen up, gumshoes. She was like their boss or whatever. They gave him all the cases to go, or all the evidence to go find Carmen San Diego. She was like uh, Charlie. Yeah, a, a geographical wizard. <laughs> oh, I used to love that show. I know you didn't watch it much, but... I at, watched it from time to time. At the uh, end, remember at the very end of the show, it always ended on that big map of the world, and they would just yell out countries, and you had to go over there with like a plunger that had like a light on the top. You had to like plunge it on the right country, and then it would go, you know, the light would go off. Really, to get, like, I probably repressed that memory. <laughs> you, had to, you had to do so many and like, I think the time limit was like a minute i just know they had that acapella group and they're trying to make them sound cool do up do that do where in the world is garmin san diego what were they called rockapella or something yeah they're rockapella like, fucking cool <laughs> they were fucking cool man <laughs> i mean acapella group they had their own show well, they were on a show. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say it was their show. Yeah, but they were like the live. They were the house band. Yeah, they were like the house band, though, so they were a part of it. That's like saying, oh, the Roots, they really made it. They're the house band for the Tonight Show. <laughs> no, it's just weird because like, the Roots made it before that, and then they're like, what are you doing as a house band? You should be. I mean, they do tour. That, but That's like, you, you know that you. Uh, you're not making money with your music anymore if you got to take a study TV gig. You're that or they're just making a lot of money and then play other TV people's gig. and then play other people's music. I'm sure they get paid a lot for doing each show. Probably. Do people still watch that? Oh yeah, everyone watches Jimmy Fallon. Well, all the late nights because all the other news networks all they do is you just see what this late night host said about Trump? <laughs> He doesn't seem to like him very much. Well, what a surprise! I heard Jimmy Fallon was losing uh, viewers because he was too soft on Trump. Yeah, because he, he interviewed him. That's what the uh, the internet told me. Yeah, he was too soft on Trump. You got to listen to that internet. He was too soft. Does not lie. I think that was a big nothing burger. <laughs> That's a hoax. <laughs> All right, um, let's get into it here. Let's set up some of the basis uh again we're not going to be this is a leftover um but we are not going to be going through the entire we're not gonna read the whole plot summary it's a pretty simple plot yeah it's a simple plot we're just give you the setup and then we'll kind of go through it yeah chronologically right i guess i could say mostly chronologically i think so yeah 
Yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. Then we watched the ultimate director's cut. Yeah, we do need to mention that. Uh, so they added in uh, an animated introduction to the start of the film, and then some animated uh, comic book panel style transitions throughout mm-hmm. the movie, like inner titles and stuff. Like, yeah. Meanwhile, in Coney Island, that type of thing. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think they changed any scenes or added or removed anything else. So you're probably not missing a whole lot if you haven't seen the ultimate director's cut. Um, but yeah, I hadn't seen it before I borrowed it from you. Uh, the director's cut. I had seen the regular, uh, I mean, it's a little distracting cause it's newer or at least more recent. I think it's from the mid two thousands when they redid yeah. the, I think it's like Oh five when they did the, you know, animation and whatnot yeah. for it. But it's still, I think it works well. Um, I think it is, it was kind of in, it was like part of his vision when Walter Hill directed it. It's yeah. kind of like he, the feel he wanted. So you get, it's not like a big stretch for it either. Right. And the the Ultimate Director's Cut DVD has an introduction from Walter Hill explaining how he doesn't like director's cuts. Yeah. <laughs> but It's hilarious. But he, he appreciates getting to do one for this. And, and basically, yeah, he said he he wanted to add something to show the connection to Greek mythology and then also the uh, comic book origins of the story. Well, the movie was based off of a, a novel. And then he wanted like a comic book element with it. Okay. And comic books did spawn from this there's video games and like a comic book series came out of this yeah well they did the video game in i think i saw it was oh five which i remember playing it but i can't i don't i never played it but i remember the commercials it looked pretty sweet yeah i i can't remember if we just rented it or if my brother had it because i know i personally didn't have it and then you know i was i was off at college at that point so if my brother had it, I wouldn't have been having access to it very much. So, but I I think it was a it was a decent game, and I can't remember if I played it before I saw the movie or if I saw the movie first. But I'm sure I'd appreciate it more now if I were to go back and play it. Here, I just want to make sure I get this right that it was actually just a novel and not a graphic novel. I think most of the things I saw just called it a novel. Yeah. But when I was reading um, some of that, I saw it was like as illustrated by such and such. Yeah. So I was like, well, is there like, you know, eight pages of you know, pictures in the middle or is it? Like- yeah. So I don't know if it was a, like a graphic novel or they just did, you know. Soul Yurik is the writer of the novel. Of, uh, pictures in here and there. Because it says it was written by Sol Yurik and illustrated by Frank Modell in 65. So, and that was based on a uh, a Greek myth from way before that. Because like the plot summary of the book is, the novel begins with a quote from Anabasis, upon which the novel is based. Uh, throughout the novel, the character Junior reads a comic book version of the story. That's so meta. Yeah, I'd like... <laughs> <laughs> so many layers here. So maybe it's a it's a novel, and then they drew illustrations of the comic book that the character is 
rating within it. Almost like uh, Watchmen. The guys, have you read Watchmen? No, no, I haven't. Okay. Well, in there, there's a there's a story within the story. There's always like a guy on a street corner reading a comic book or a graphic novel called Tales of the Black Freighter, and it applies to the main story that's going on, you know, like symbolically or metaphorically, while the rest of the stuff is going on. Yeah. But anyways, let's get into it. Let's start with the the added scene at the beginning. Um, okay, that's explains the uh, spot. the battle of Kunaxa in 401 BC, and it's uh, they basically talk about a group of gr- Greek warriors that are kind of stranded in no man's land. Uh, they're a thousand miles from safety, a thousand miles from the sea, and they're surrounded by enemies on all sides. And uh, what did they say? Theirs is a story of courage. Is that what it was? Yep. And then uh, the movie. This too is a story of courage. Yeah. So it's it's very similar, uh, and it's basically this is a situation that you're about to see in modern day, or even near future, as they added a uh, little disclaimer at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. The the Greek mercenaries who were surrounded in a basically a sea of Persians. They were led by a Persian, by Cyrus, the younger, was his name, and his older brother had just gotten the throne to Persia, so he was trying to take control of the throne, so he was fighting against his brother, so he hired all these Greek mercenaries, um, and Cyrus himself actually died, uh, like, charging into, like, his brother's bodyguard, like, uh, regiment or whatever, he was trying to kill his, get at his brother. And he got killed. He got uh, run through with a javelin, hit him. That's not a good way to go. Yeah. So Cyrus, I can see where that plays into the story of about to see. Uh, here are some quotes from a man named Cyrus, who's kind of like the leader of one of the bigger gangs in New York. Yeah. And he's trying to gather all the gangs around New York to come together so they can kind of take down the cops and take over the city. Yeah. So... All the gangs in New York have called a truce, and they're going to meet... At least for this one night. Yeah, and they're going to meet in the Bronx, listen to what Cyrus has to say, uh, and basically the goal is unite all the gangs of New York City, the the five boroughs, mm-hmm. and take it over one territory at a time, move the cops out of there, uh, and basically run the whole city. But things go awry pretty quickly. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get into some clips. Um, this is uh, Cleon talking, I believe, telling the warriors what's going on because all the gangs were told to send nine emissaries to the meeting place. Yep. To listen to Cyrus speak, and you can't bring any weapons, all that. But they're under supposed to be protected because of the truce. Yep. So here's kind of the ground rules. It's still on, and we're going. Cyrus sent an emissary this afternoon to make sure. Now, Cyrus don't want anybody packed, and he don't want anybody flexing any muscle. So I gave him my word that the warriors would uphold the truce. Now, everybody says that Cyrus is the one and only. I think we better go have a look for ourselves. Yeah, the soundtrack is amazing. 
Yeah, uh, the composer, I believe the soundtrack stated that it is the first, outside of the closing credits song, yeah. it's the first feature to have a completely synthesized rock and roll score. Yeah, let's see, that's what he claims, that, Yeah, that he did that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true, but that's what he says. Well, the thing is, it's like, that was about the time synthesized rock was becoming popular at least tangible because there wasn't any examples of it at all in anything right like a few years prior to that and it's it's got a little disco influence to it Mm -hmm. a little funk yeah but it does have that you know early 80s late 70s kind of rock and roll synthesizer Mm -hmm. feel to it so yeah so everybody's kind of concerned about their going in to the Bronx, which is on the complete opposite side of New York. They're coming from Coney Island. At least the Warriors are. The Warriors are. And uh, they're concerned that they're all going to be unarmed and, uh, you know, that they're, they're vulnerable. But as you heard, Cleon is reassuring them that everybody's in the same situation and that the truth is still on. Uh, let's see. They, uh, there's Rembrandt is uh, the youngest member of the Warriors, and he has his spray paint, and he's told to take everything in sight. Let them know the Warriors were here. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see, there's Ajax, who says, uh, you know, one thing we might get out of Cyrus's little get-together is meeting some strange wool. I wouldn't mind laying a little something down on the way back. And uh, I think it's Vermin tells him he's got a one-track mind. And then Ajax says, uh, what are you, turning faggot? Which he's pretty, uh, what's the word I want to say? Pretty vulgar throughout the movie. Pretty abrasive. He takes every opportunity to remind people that he is straight. (laughs) That he's going to try to have sex with women. Yeah. And that if you're not, then you're, you're a faggot. And that he's not a pussy and tough guys going and fight and... Don't hang around waiting for somebody to come get them. He's the machoist of the the warriors, and he doesn't waste an opportunity to let you know that. Yeah, he's he's definitely the most uh, homophobic. Whereas like the kind of the rest of the gang are just kind of indifferent. Like they, they don't care. They're just like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like we're just trying to get from point A to point B, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we got we got other stuff that we're concerned about. <laughs> Like you got a one-track mind, like you said. But, uh, yeah, Ajax is the most aggressive. I think he's got some anger problems, uh, probably some uh, pent-up uh, frustration yeah. going on there. James Remar is always uh, he's a fun character actor in movies. Uh, he's always kind of a – he's usually a villain. or a, I mean, he's part of the protagonist here technically. Yeah. But he's not shown in a very positive light. But he's yeah, he's nobody else likes him. He's an anti hero at best. Yeah. He just he's just uh he's like AJ Pierzynski. Remember AJ <laughs> Pierzynski? Yeah. For the baseball player. If he's on your team, you know, he's an asshole, but he's your asshole. Yeah. You know. But if you're on other teams you're like, Man, I fucking hate that guy. Yeah. Although it seemed like the Warriors weren't even happy to have him like <laughs> He's our asshole, but we're not happy about it. Well, I, yeah, that's kind of the same thing. Like, we're not happy, but I'd rather have him on our side fighting with us than fighting against him. Yeah. Type of thing, you know. But especially as it goes on, it seems like, ah, oh, there's like, 
I mean, they do go back and try and protect him certain times, and they do look out for him. But eventually they, they just kind of get fed up with them. <laughs> Let them, you know. It's so annoying. It's like if you aren't having sex with a woman when he's talking to you, <laughs> then you're gay, apparently. Yeah. It's true. So uh, what's, what's funny, though, is like I first saw James Remar as Dexter's dad in the show Dexter. Mm-hmm. And there he's such a different character. And then he was on the show uh, Wilfred as uh, Elijah Wood's character's dad. And it's like, well, that guy's not anything like Ajax. So once you figure out like some of the characters he played later in his career, and then you go back and see what he did in the Warriors, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, that's it's a bit of a change. Well, he uh, he would reteam with director Walter Hill a few years later in Forty Eight Hours, where he plays Gans, the uh, the main villain, and also David Patrick Kelly is also in there as well who also plays a character named Luther. Same as here. See, I, I don't think they ever called him Luther in this movie. Yeah, though. I didn't really recall hearing that, and but I that think was in a the, trivia uh, bit. I think in the credits, they just lumped him in with the other rogues. Yeah, I can't remember what it like said. They didn't the separate him out. Either way, they're both in there. David Patrick Kelly is amazing in this, show, in this movie. He's always amazing. He's in, he's in uh, Twin Peaks. Uh, both the both the old version or old series and the new one. Um, was was he in Commando? Was that the one with Arnold? Uh, God. Which one was that? Can't remember or if he was in Commando or not. Where he says, uh, "I was gonna kill you last," and then he changed his mind. Can't remember. Was that Commando? I think that was Commando. He's in uh, K Pax, uh, Last Man Standing. Uh, God, what else is he in? He's in a lot of shit. Let's go through it because we're gonna talk about him pretty quick yeah, he was also in the crow uh he's the president flags of our fathers he's in john wick one and two he's apparently in uh chirac yeah which i haven't seen yet cafe society the old one crooklyn he was in the longest yard remake malcolm x from 92 wild at heart so yeah, a bunch of Lynch stuff and a bunch of Walter Hill stuff. Yep, it is Commando. Sully in Commando. Yeah, because Arnold tells him he's going to kill him last, and then he ends up killing him first. Yeah, IMDb lists him as Luther in The Warriors as well, so they're saying his name's Luther, but either way. Um, so they get to the meeting place, which is like a... It's a park. yeah. Not like a, just like a regular like city park, pretty yeah. much. But there's kind of like a center area, maybe with some like gazebos with, you know, like an outdoor stadium seating area where there's not like benches and chairs set up. It's more of like an incline ground. Yeah. That's kind of like surrounding a, something with like a backdrop or something like that. And they, they've built some uh, like scaffolding for cyrus to stand upon as he's speaking Mm -hmm. so everybody can see see i have a couple clips from him let's take a listen to cyrus can you count suckers i say the future is ours if you can count you're standing right now with nine delegates 
from a hundred gangs. And there's over a hundred more. That's 20,000 hardcore members, 40,000 counting affiliates, and 20,000 more not organized, but ready to fight. 60,000 soldiers. Now there ain't but 20,000 police in the whole town. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Some pretty memorable quotes in this movie. Yeah. It, that, can you count suckers? Every time I hear somebody screw up a math problem or something, that <laughs> runs through my head. <laughs> Can you count, sucker? <laughs> and I, I just want to say it every time, but I, I usually uh, restrain myself. <laughs> but they, can you dig it? Like Shaq stole that. The wrestler Booker T stole that. <laughs> a lot of people stole that. So it's it's pretty popular line. And uh, you know, as a kid, uh, like you know, you hear Shaq go, "Could you dig it?" And, like you think he made that up, but then you realize, oh shit, he stole that from the Warriors. So yeah, that was kind of, uh, it's a longer speech where Cyrus talks. I just kind of clipped some things together there. Uh, but yeah, basically they, they want to unite everyone so they can take down the cops, take over the city. But Luther, David Patrick Kelly, shoots him. Yeah. And he doesn't have the gun, but one of his uh, gang members passes it down to him. Yeah, which is weird. It was like, what, you couldn't smuggle it in yourself? <laughs> I get, obviously nobody was, you know, checking for weapons. Yeah, nobody's getting patted down. Like, there's lots of ways into that park, and they weren't checking all the entrances. Yeah, I don't think they were checking shit really. Right, but as he was, as Cyrus was speaking, the police were pulling up around the perimeter, and then as soon as the the shot goes off, just chaos, just chaos ensues. Everybody starts running every direction. The police start, you know, storming in. Uh, one of the warriors had seen Luther shoot Cyrus. Uh, which one saw him? Uh, was that Cleon? Well, Cleon went to check on him, on Cyrus, but I think it was, was it Fox that saw him shoot? Yeah, one of the warriors saw him shoot. It was one of so... the white ones. I think it was Fox. I think it was Fox saw him shoot Cyrus. And so Fox went to get the rest of the crew out of there. And then Cleon went to go check on Cyrus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a clip from uh, Luther being the mastermind that he is. Yeah. Has an idea. There he is! That's him! That's the warrior! He shot Cyrus! Hey man, you're crazy. I didn't do nothing. We saw him! Yeah, that's him. He's the one! He's the one! The Warriors did it! The Warriors did it! The Warriors did it! The Warriors did it! And Luther rushes Cleon, and Cleon just kind of brushes him off, but then all of Cyrus's guys come and just beat the shit out of Cleon. Mm. That's the last time you see Cleon for the rest of the movie. Yeah, they don't reference it directly, but he's he's dead. Yeah. That's supposed the, to just jump to that conclusion that's that he the implication is, dying. is yeah. that he's dead. So he was the leader, and now the warriors. There's eight of them, and 
Swan and Ajax start fighting over who the leader is. Mm-hmm. And Swan is the next in line, but Ajax says he should be the, the new leader. Because he's, uh, he's an he, asshole. He's so tough. Because <laughs> he's not a faggot. Yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely not gay. Don't even... <laughs> Don't even ask about it. Don't go there. So they they convene in a uh, a cemetery, and then they got to figure out how to get back to Coney Island, which they say is fifty to a hundred miles away. It seems like a long ways. That's a like big, more than. That's a it big uh, range. <laughs> yeah, fifty to a hundred. <laughs> double. They think they know how far it took them. It's either fifty <laughs> miles or double that. <laughs> so. But it's, I, I think they're uh, supposed to be on, like, the northern part of the city in the Bronx, and then they have to go to the, the southernmost part of New York City. And they're going to do that by hopping on a bunch of different trains. Yep. And they're going to, if they get split up, the plan is to meet at Union Station, which would be not halfway, it'd probably be closer to Coney Island, right? Yeah. Or even I, if I don't know. it's, like, know. a halfway point, it's, like... They wouldn't. They would only have to take a train or two after that. So it's I like a good so. spot to meet. Yeah. I don't know the geography of New York City that well, but yeah. So that's the plan. And so the the truce is off. So they have to go through all these other territories and, you know, fight their way through because the the truce is off and all these gangs are going to be defending their territories again. Yeah, Cyrus's gang was the Gramercy Griffs, right? Riffs. A riffs. The riffs. Yeah, Great Mercy riffs. riffs. And, uh, well, you shorten it up, they're the Griffs. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the, yeah, the Riffs basically put out a hit. They're like, they want them alive if possible, but kill them if you have to. Yeah. I want them. I want the Warriors. And at this point, the Warriors don't know that everybody's coming after them. Yeah. They just know that there's no truce. People are going to defend their territories. And the police are after them, too. So they don't realize right now that every gang in the city, plus the police, is after them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the lady from Carmen San Diego, the DJ, she sends out not-so-subliminal messages (laughs) about the Warriors and that, uh, because she plays the Nowhere to Run song. Yeah. Which is Is not the Martha and the Vandellas. It's the... uh, It's a remake. Yeah, it's a remake. I forget who did it, but so yeah, she sends out the word that the warriors are basically the ones everyone needs to be looking for. Yep. So let's let's go back to David Patrick Kelly here. Um, I got a clip from him explaining kind of his thinking, and then uh, this is him and the his gang is called the Rogues, and they were at a what what kind of stand would you call that? It wasn't like a newsstand. Well, before that, do you want to? The uh, the Warriors run into the Turnbull ACs. Before yeah, I know. I just wanted you to, want to jump David to that Patrick. one. Yeah. I would say it's it's like a, almost a like a convenience store type thing. They have candy and like a storefront. Yeah, like it's a like bodega a storefront. Stand. Yeah, <laughs> you will. All right, let's play that clip. Yeah, how are you? I was just checking in. Yeah, it was a real mess up there. This guy, Cyrus, had an accident. They did? Well, that's okay. These guys are warriors. 
Yeah, they deserve it. And we will. But take care of yourself. We set? We're set, all right. Somebody should pick their ass up. The Riff sent out the word. They want him alive. We don't. Soon as someone grabs them, the better. Samantha, you afraid the warriors are gonna shoot their mouths off before they get racked? Yeah, right. I'm worried. I just don't want the rifts down on no my head. No sweat. They're looking for the warriors, remember? We can do some looking, too. Ought to make you feel better. Hey, what about the money you owe? For what? <laughs> so while he was on the phone with whoever, the the other guys were just pulling candy off the stand and taking it. And then uh, she's like, "Yeah, you, you got to like, pay for this." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for what? And he's like, "No, I don't." In so many words, Cyrus is an accident. <laughs> he had an accident. This guy Cyrus, he had an accident. His voice keeps on like changing tones and. Like he always, uh, it seems like he adds syllables to words. Uh-huh. Like, no. Whoa. <laughs> it's like a Christopher Walken thing going on. They're looking for the warriors. <laughs> <laughs> they have a pretty sweet car, though. It's like a, yeah. it's like an old time fifties uh, like uh, wagon, almost with like a Buick. I think I don't know what it is, but it they uh, they graffitied the shit out of it. <laughs> so it looks pretty badass rolling down the street. Yeah, we won't go chronologically, I mean, step by step of how they get from point A to point B, but we're going to highlight what goes on along the way. Like you just mentioned, the AC Turnbulls is basically the first group they run into, right? Because they're waiting for, like, they're right before the first train station that they need to get to. Yeah, so they're in Turnbull AC territory, and they're waiting for the train, and it's an elevated train, so they're down on the street watching for it so the turnbulls are like a bunch of neo-nazis right kind of they kind can, of weren't they a bunch of like skinhead type guys they call them skinheads but uh i don't know they were all, all white i think were they all white i can't remember if they were more diverse than that or not because they had a big bus they did like have a mad a bus. max type bus yeah people it was a short bus but it was a bus nonetheless <laughs> Yeah, so they had a bunch of people like hanging out the windows, the clubs and stuff. I can't which, remember if any of them were black. Which is funny because the Warriors outrun that bus pretty easily. Yeah. Well, there's so many people in it. Yeah, I guess so. You know, <laughs> I guess you got to keep it under five. Weighing it down. <laughs> Either that or the Warriors are. They should be Olympic track participants. Yeah, so they're hiding off by the side and they're debating if they should make a run for it because they haven't been spotted yet. But their trains arriving shortly yeah so we got a clip from that and uh ajax of course has to put his two cents in come on what kind of chicken shit crap is this yeah come on man we here what are we waiting for a train would help unless you want to go up there and get japped on an open platform bullshit man there ain't nobody on the street he's right we're acting like faggots And then, uh, was it Vermin who Vermin. says the japped? Yeah. He says that a couple of times. Yeah. And that's uh, an obvious reference to Pearl Harbor. Or, the, yeah, the stereotype that, you know, the sneaky Japanese. And yeah. That, you know, wrestling's been doing that for decades. They haven't done it in a while. They haven't but. done it in a while, but it, 
you know, around that time and into the 80s and maybe even the early 90s, they would they would use that term, you know, I got japped or they would they would uh, use the phrase pro harbor job. You know, <laughs> he, he hit him with a pro harbor job. He, he attacked <laughs> him from behind when he wasn't expecting it or, yeah. you know, so it's it's kind of weird that that became a phrase. But I guess it was enough time had passed since the incidents that, mm -hmm. you know, it, it could happen. I don't uh, foresee, like, he got 9-11 becoming a, a phrase, like, 20 years from now, because it's a different, you know, generation of people and uh, much more politically correct these days. But back in the day, <laughs> you know. Getting japped just meant that uh, you got, got snuck jumped. up on and uh, jumped when you weren't expecting it. Yeah. I also like to point out kind of the style and like the aesthetic of the movie. So I mean, we talked about as the cool kind of synthesized rock soundtrack. Um, but I read some fun facts that they, uh, they wanted that hard rain scene in the beginning. Yeah. So then throughout the film, they could just kind of wet the ground whenever they needed to get... Uh, some more pop from the colors yeah it was a budget was for a lighting the effect the uh they wanted to have wet streets so they just had one scene where it rained really hard and then after that all the streets were wet for the rest rest of the movie yeah because it rains before they even get to the first train yeah it's uh, when they were in the cemetery yeah I believe, it was right it after started, they left the cemetery right after that um, so they, yeah, they outrun the Turnbulls, get up to the train. There's a lot of, obviously, foot chasing in this movie. Yeah. There isn't, like, car chases or anything. It's all, they're kind of on foot, and they're trying to go from train to train. And uh, they do a good job of filming that, kind of creating tension a little bit. Yeah. Because um, the whole movie is just, you know, one long chase, and you really get the the feeling for what it'd be like to be chased by every fucking gang in new york yeah and there's not a lot of like fight scenes or anything like that because the goal is to avoid as much confrontation as possible because you got a long way to go and you can't afford to be fighting every gang on the way back there's only eight of you right yeah now. your so, gang's at home and there aren't <laughs> cell phones to like call for help yeah so you wanna and you don't want to hang around in one spot for too long yeah so you gotta keep moving unless uh Unless you're Ajax. <laughs> Ajax will fight everybody. Well, he wants Except to stick for, around for different reasons. Yeah, that's true. So I got a clip from that. Um, they get to, well, I guess first we'll talk about. Well, they get for, they get forced off the train because somebody has set a fire to it down the track. Yeah. And then they run into orphan territory. Yeah, so we just talk about the orphans and the some of the other gang names. And then we'll get into the park. And then it's not safe in the park after dark. <laughs> So yeah, you want to talk about the orphans? So the orphans, uh, they're so low that they're not even on the map. <laughs> so How could it have been a big meeting if we weren't there? <laughs> the orphans weren't invited. Yeah, they, did, they hadn't meeting. heard of the meeting. Yeah, so they're, they're so low that nobody even knows they exist for the most part. But uh, Cyrus would probably describe them as ready to fight. Yeah, or affiliates or, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so... The warriors are just trying to kind of chilling as uh, they see all the orphans on the rooftops, and then the, some of the the orphans come out on the street to confront them. And uh, the warriors are being cautious; they don't want to make any moves. So they they make a deal with the orphans that they can 
walk through the the territory um kind of you know you're okay to go through we we won't uh defend our territory against you and then uh this girl mercy comes out and she stirs the fucking pot <laughs> and says you're gonna let them walk through with their colors on and uh you gonna let them talk to me like that <laughs> and the and the the lead orphan uh says no you know you guys got to take your colors off and which is like the whole thing for me like the only the only dumb thing about this movie is just take your fucking colors off you could go home well nobody you know nobody knows what the warriors look like except for their attire <laughs> their vests well that's their leather vests you know you, you that's a pussy move though you can't <laughs> yeah i know it's a pussy <laughs> move but they all would have, you know, everyone would have survived and they wouldn't have to fight anyone if they just took them off. If they put on different shirts and just put them on and just rode the train back home, there would be no issue. If, if you're in a gang, you can't take your colors off because when you get home, I know, but if, if people find out you did that, when you get home, you're getting your ass beat by the rest of the war. Yeah, but if you tell them the story of what happened, I think they'd be pretty understanding. I don't think that's how gangs work. Yeah, well, they wouldn't volunteer to, hey, I'm going to go 75 miles north of here, and I'm going get, to get, try and get through every gang in the city before I get home. Nobody's hey, going to sign up to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's how gangs work. <laughs> well, they were stupid. I think they have uh, a little more pride in their colors than that. So Yeah, I mean, they do make that a point. I'm not taking off, We're not taking off our colors. Yeah, but I can see that. Like, asked by I'm just saying in general they should have, not because the orphans told them to. Yeah, after I, they left, after they left the meeting, they should have taken off their fucking vests and just walked home. I know that, but uh, <laughs> again, you know, you're in the gang, and uh, I'm sure gang rules are you can't take your colors off, you know, unless you're at home maybe. But and I'm guessing also some of their thinking was. You know, they weren't sure if the truce is still on. So if it was still on, you know, everyone's walking with their colors. It, it should yeah. be fine. So they should be allowed to wear their colors everywhere. They don't know right away that they're being targeted. Yeah, and they, I think so at this point, they point. still don't know that people are after them specifically for Cyrus's shooting. Mm-hmm. I think they just figure that people are defending their territory. Yeah. Especially the orphans who haven't even heard of the fucking meeting. Right. But, uh, yeah, so they said, fuck them. The, the warriors said, fuck them. And uh, they decided they're going to keep their colors on. And the orphans go and, uh, and uh, strap up. And the, the lead guy has got, like, a straight razor. And, like, they have pretty pussy weapons, comparatively speaking. Yeah, uh, Mercy went off by herself because she likes to continue to stir the pot. Yeah. Kind of follows the warriors until... Uh, as a Remar grabs her, Ajax. Well, well the Warriors uh, throw a Molotov cocktail at a car on the street. Yeah, but that's after they were confronted. Yeah. So by the orphans, because the orphans went back into the house, and it seemed like nothing was going to happen. And then uh, Mercy follows them. They grab Mercy. They're talking to her. Oh yeah, and she's. And like, then uh, then all the orphans show up. Yeah, she's like, yeah, that's right, Warriors, keep walking. You ain't showing me nothing. <laughs> Shit talking them and. They're like, shut up, bitch. And they <laughs> and slut whore, sh- they're like, you know. They slut shame her through the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you whore. So bad. Like they just like talk about how she just fucks everybody, you know. 
And she yeah. admits as much, but that's just kind of part of her. She says, life uh, yeah, later choice. she says, my Friday nights are good. My Saturday nights are even better. Mm-hmm. And uh, she kind of talks about living life to the fullest in yeah. the now. Yeah. So she she basically admits that it's true. But then uh comes out later that she really wants to get out of that life and mm-hmm. get out of the the city and travel, see new places. So basically the orphans scatter after that Molotov cocktail. Yeah, that was a quick battle. Yeah, not really much of a battle there. Um, so they move on. Uh, Macy in tow. They bring her on the train. Mercy. What did I say? Macy. Oh, Macy. Mercy. Have mercy. Yeah. And her and uh, Michael Beck play Swan. They yeah. kind of strike up kind of the... Theirs is kind of like the romance. It's rough around the edges until they kind of, you know, warm up to each other at the end. Yeah, right. Plus, I think she just likes going after the leaders. <laughs> she's a she's a lead dog gal. It, they didn't really imply what her relationship to the the orphans was, but I kind of thought maybe she was the sister of the lead orphan, possibly, or just a, you know, his just kept woman, or <laughs> I don't know what you say, like his. His bottom bitch. Yeah, basically. Although she uh, she obviously was more dominant in the relationship than, than he was. Yeah. Like, if he was slapping her around, I'm sure she slapped him around a little bit, too. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would think she was slapping him around more than he was her. Yeah, especially if she's, you know, he banging pr- whoever, whenever. He seemed pretty intimidated by her. Yeah. Or at least worried about what she thought or, you know. Go inside, Mercy. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Go inside where you belong. <laughs> so so she just leaves them high and dry, the orphans, and tags along with the warriors. Uh, they run into some cops at the train station and yeah, kind of get separated. The where... train stalls uh, halfway to wherever. And fo- is a fox that gets thrown under? Yeah, a fox gets into a scuffle with one of the cops, and he gets thrown in front of a moving train so he's dead yeah so we got cleon's dead fox is dead so there's seven warriors right now yeah and as uh we kind of touched on at the beginning fox the actor that played fox apparently had some issues on set and he was supposed to uh survive much further into the movie i think it said he might well it was was he supposed to be the romantic uh, partner with mercy yeah he was supposed to be with mercy and And there was no chemistry between the two actors and walter hill noticed that her and swan had great chemistry and so they changed kind of the story to fit that yeah and so he was pissed off about that and there were some you know scuffles or fist cuff well i don't know about not like actual fights but right you know, they didn't have a good time on set, so then, yeah, he was he was let go. They threw him under a tree. Yep. And then uh, I read that he was the one that uh, demanded that his name be removed from the credits. So that's why he's not in the credits. Yeah. Because he didn't want to be. So they, uh, the Warriors split up. Cochise, Vermin, and Rembrandt get on a train to Union Station, and... Uh, Swan, Ajax, Cowboy, and Snow uh, get chased by the Baseball Furies to a park. Yeah, the Baseball Furies are pretty, uh, pretty badass. Pretty baller. Um, yeah, they're wearing like the full like kind of baseball uniform. 
yeah. with like the long socks or stirrups, and they all have bats. And, and their face is painted. Yep, they all got a colorful face paint, which was apparently inspired by the band Kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, and Walter Hill was a big baseball fan, so he just like put those things together. Yeah, to like make the baseball furies. And like when they come out, it's like coming out of the 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 dugout. They each grab <laughs> a bat. They got you know everything. Everybody's got a bat lined up, and they mm-hmm. just grab theirs on their way out. And so it's a pretty cool fight scene in the park where they're all swinging bats at each other and, <laughs> you know, shit goes down and the, the warriors end up wasting them. Yeah, because they chased them pretty much until nobody could run anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and they throw down and... Until they have to Remain fight. victorious. And then uh, as they're walking through the park, they notice there's a woman sitting on a park bench, or rather, uh, James Remar does. <laughs> he's like, hey. So he's looking, and she's giving him a look too because it's actually an undercover cop. Yeah trying to i'm guessing arrest sex solicitors it's a it's a sting mm-hmm. operation if you will i assume she was an undercover cop and not just some lady with a whistle yeah because the police it took them a little bit to get there but they were pretty close yeah so so she's basically the bait yeah she's just sitting there all by herself in the park after dark and james rumar he wants to go for it he wants I, uh, uh he wants to teach her a lesson i got a clip from that Hey, I guess you don't know the parks ain't safe after dark. We ain't got time for this right now. We've got to get you in the square. You go ahead if you want. I'm going to get a little exercise. You never were very smart. I'll tell you something, warlord. I'm smart enough. And it's there for free. You two coming? Come on, man. Yeah, there's plenty of women back home. Maybe all of you just go on faggot. He says it in the weirdest <laughs> ways, too. Like, right. go on faggot. Like, I, I know what he's saying. You've but... all gone faggot. Like, you've turned. Yeah, I know. I get that. Like, you've transitioned. He uses it as, like, almost like the word fuck. And you just conjugate it any way you want into, like, adjective, verb, noun. He uses it all. Well, he's basically saying... That you used to be straight and now you're gay because... No, I know what he's saying. I'm just saying know, throughout the movie. He, right. But then earlier when they were waiting for the, the train, he was saying, you know, only faggots would sit here out in the open and not go for it. Try to try to fight their way through. Yeah, and he's just comfortable. I'm going to take my time getting back to Union Station. I'm going to yeah. stop off for some sex. He's like, uh, Random in the I'm park. smart enough to take it when it's free, which is a pretty terrible thing to say. So I think we've established that he's a, just an awful person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, technically, he's one of the good guys, but he's an awful person. Yeah, because even the good guys don't like him. Yeah. Those three go off, but uh, um, was it Cowboy that says, you know, he kind of saved me back there with the fight with the baseball furies? Yeah. So Swan tells him him and uh, Snow can go back and look after him while Swan goes ahead. And when they get back is when he's already being arrested by the cop. Yeah, so uh, so he's sitting with this woman on the bench. And she's, you know, like, yeah, uh, acting like she's into him. And they start making out. But then he gets really handsy really fast. Yeah, real aggressive. Real, yeah. 
He's like, I like it rough. And she's like, Jesus Christ, you're going to get it. Just settle down. But she handcuffs him to the bench and then just starts blowing this whistle as loud as she possibly can. And then cops roll up a minute or two later and uh, Snow and Cowboy, you know, get there too late. And they're just like, oh, he's the lost cause. We got to move on. So that drops down to six, right? Yep. Down to six. Um, and while that was happening, uh, Coaches Vermin and Rembrandt run into the Lizzies. Chicks are packed. <laughs> Chicks are packed. Lizzies is a female gang. Yeah. They use their sexuality to lure men in. And they don't. They did here. Yeah, they don't. The Warriors don't really know who they are. Mm-hmm. And so they're just like, oh man, we're going to get some sex and, you know, we're going to chill while we're waiting for everybody else to come to, to Union Square. And uh, so they, the Lizzie's are having like a house party or something. And just basically the Warriors have their pick of who they want to go to bed with. And Rembrandt's like uh, uncomfortable with the situation because he's like, yeah, this seems fishy. But uh, And he seems uncomfortable around women in general. Yeah. He's kind of a young, he's the youngest of the group. He's kind of like a kid. Yeah. Coaches and Vermin are just like having a blast. Yeah, they're all over it. Until uh, Rembrandt finally spots it. He sees a gun. The chicks are packed. Chicks are packed. Yep. And they barely escape with their lives. Nobody was. They took out a couple of the Lizzies. I think. Yeah. They didn't kill them, but. I think uh, somebody got hit with a chair. Yeah. But uh, I think it was implied that the Lizzies were lesbians. In parodies, they, they always portray them as lesbians. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Um yeah, they get away. I mean, they get some shots off, but the Warriors aren't hit, or at least not killed. So they get to the station. At the same time, Swan gets to the station. He's followed by, uh, what gang was that on the roller skates? Well, Swan and uh, Mercy meet at the station, and uh, they get chased by the cops, and they go down the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they end up at, uh, is that Union Square, or was that the 96th Street station they ended up at? You know, either I think one. it was Union Square. Yeah, Swan ends up being uh, followed by a member of the Punks. They all wear overalls and colorful uh, shirts underneath. In roller skates. And the one guy's in roller <laughs> skates. Don't they all have roller skates? I think it's just the one guy has roller skates and the mm-hmm. rest and. So everybody eventually makes it to Union Square. Yeah. So I say they were about to beat up on swan but then the three others show up yeah so swan's being followed by this guy and mercy shows up she's like did you know you're being followed yeah and he's like yeah i do <laughs> and now you <laughs> just let them know that i know yeah he's like no they know that i know thanks a lot the punks uh kind of assemble behind them and the, the warriors meet in the bathroom to go over their fight strategy it's funny did you notice when they're like you know in here and mercy's like that's the men. I can't go in there. That's the <laughs> yeah. men's room. Yeah. Like that was like the one thing they couldn't do this <laughs> right. whole movie. Yeah. She's like, I can't go in there. And Vermin's like, yes, you can get in here. <laughs> it's a fucking subway bathroom. Who right. gives a fuck? Nobody else is in there. It's like 4 a.m. Yeah. You know? I can't go in there. <laughs> but I can, you know, participate in violent acts and do drugs and yeah, other illegal activities. Walk down a subway tunnel. <laughs> yeah. From the cops. Yeah. 
run from the cops. Steal. But no, what's going to get me busted is going to the men's room. She stole a jacket. <laughs> you know. Oh, I saw that was a fun fact because when they were like jumping down in the tunnel or whatever, some of the like one of the stuntmen or whatever hold, held her hand too long. Yeah. And, like broke her wrist. So she had a cast, so they covered it up with that jacket. Yeah. So in the later scenes, that's why that jacket's there. It's covering up her cast. They, they said that's why she was uh, not in some of the, the scenes in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's because they were trying to figure out ways to, to work around it. Yeah. Because they'd already fired one guy after he was working <laughs> yeah. eight weeks. I think it was that guy. It was like a 60-day shoot, so... I think they said it was Fox's stunt double that injured her. For the eight weeks. Well, I, I don't know how far into it that she it's got 56. injured. It's pretty much 60. So I think, God, because I thought that guy got fired after eight weeks. Maybe it's just production total, not days of shooting. I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, I don't what, know. What they meant by that. The Fox character. Yeah. But uh, then we have this big brawl in the bathroom, which is filmed pretty uniquely. It's an amazing scene. Yeah, they they get cameras into some pretty tight spaces, especially for the time. And they have, uh, yeah, some cool angles, like overhead shots and, you know, from the floor looking up and inside the stalls, outside the stalls. Yeah, people like, it's almost like one of the stalls is like a crash box. Yeah. With the camera set up for like inside of a car, like filming a crash type of scenario. Like guys getting thrown through the door into the camera. Yeah. It's pretty cool stuff. People getting body slammed and thrown through bathroom doors and, you know, just getting wrecked. Yeah. So they're battered and bloodied, but they persevere and they win. Beat down the punks. So they finally get on the last train to Coney Island. To Yuma. (laughs) There's there's a couple of... uh, the teenage couples who look like they're coming to coming from prom who get on the train. Yeah. And uh, so they're all like laughing and having fun. And then they sit down across from the warriors and mercy and they all get quiet and they're, they're looking over at them and mercy starts like fixing her hair. Cause they all look like shit. They're all covered in dirt and they've had a rough night. And Swan basically swats her hand down is like, you know, fuck them, you know, you don't need to look pretty for them. But the uh, the prom couples get off at the next stop because they're super uncomfortable. Um. So after that, they get to Coney Island. Finally there. And uh, But the rogues have caught up to them. Or rather, they met them at the place they knew they were going to. <laughs> yeah. That's the only place they could be going is back home. That's, but, uh, uh, that's the advantage of having your own car. <laughs> yeah. And so I got a clip from that. Another famous line from this movie, David Patrick Kelly. Yeah. So the being rogues, annoying as fuck. Yeah. The rogues are uh, following the warriors in their car and the warriors are walking pretty slow, acting nonchalant. And then the, when they get around a the corner, they, they hide under like an overpass. Well, it's like, uh, like for like the boardwalk by the beach. Yeah. And they, uh, they plan their, uh, their, uh, attack, their plan of attack. Yeah. Well, this is David Patrick Kelly being annoying. Warriors, come out to play. Warriors, come out to play. 
That's probably the most famous line from the movie. It's yeah, I mean, the most... between that and can you dig it? Yeah. That's, yeah. And this it, was about half as... of the total length of David Petrichelli. Because he's clinking those bottles for fucking yeah. ever. And he keeps on going on. <laughs> Come on, do play. Yeah. As far as, like, parodies and references and other movies and TV shows and music and whatnot, that might be even more so than can you dig it. Yeah, I'd probably agree. But, yeah, apparently that was uh, was ad-libbed by David Patrick Kelly based on something that his childhood neighbor used to do. Yep. Which, so uh, Swan uh, decides he's going to lead them all down to the beach. They'll have their battle on the beach. Yep. Going to have their backs to the water. Yep. But uh, David Patrick Kelly brought a gun to a knife fight. Yeah. Well, they they uh, they ask him why did you weigh Cyrus, and he says no reason. I just like doing stuff like that. <laughs> like, like all this just because he you know just likes doing stuff like that. Well, Cyrus had an accident. Just for shits and giggles. But yeah, he brings a. He's got a gun. The warriors just kind of. Uh, uh, they just get random weapons yeah. from what's around them, yeah, like they, pipes and they packed up wood. With, yeah. And Swan somehow had a knife. I don't know where he got the knife from. He pulled it out of his pocket because they're like, you ready? And he pulls out a switchblade. He goes, where I'm ready. Where did he get the knife, though? They weren't, they weren't supposed to bring weapons to the thing. And then all of a sudden, he's got a knife. Well, maybe he picked it up from maybe. somebody. He might have got it along the way. Maybe from one of the punks. Yeah. But, yeah, so he's got a knife. Luther pulls out the gun. And then... Uh, Swan's quicker on the draw. He throws the knife right into Luther's arm. Yeah, he drops. That's pretty the, sweet. Yeah, he drops the gun. He's got the knife hanging on, and he's like, ah, he's like, you know, whining and shit. And then the riffs show up. Yeah, dun dun dun. And uh, I forget what gang it was, but somebody from another gang actually came and uh, wisened up the riffs that it was the rogues that shot Cyrus and not the warriors. Mm-hmm. So Luther thinks they're there to get the warriors. But he's in for a rude awakening. And say the warriors think this too. <laughs> so they have a little discussion here. I got a, I got a clip. The last clip here. You still looking for us? We found what we're looking for. No. No. It wasn't us. It was them. The warriors. You warriors are good. Real good. The best. The rest is ours. Yeah, basically saying, we'll take it from here. Yeah. And they clear a path. They let the warriors leave without incident. And then they kind of take Patrick Kelly to go kill him. Yep, and then the Warriors walk down the beach and they play In the City by Joe Walsh. <laughs> yeah. Which is an amazing song. Yeah, it's a good one. Great soundtrack, as we've mentioned. So yeah, closing thoughts on that. We'll get into some more uh, fun facts here. I got a whole bunch of them. Got something you want to bring up right now? Something that's itching you? No, I got most of the ones that, that I uh, thought were interesting. So I'll let you have first crack. Okay. A lot of these are from IMDb, some of them from other sources like Wikipedia, but 
So take them with a little bit of a grain of salt, but for the most part, they should be mostly true. According to an interview with a Hell's Angel member on the Howard Stern Show, the Warriors' vest logo was taken from a picture of a bike built in California prison uh, by an incarcerated Hell's Angel, which appeared in a motorcycle magazine. It has apparently caused several fights as uh, Hell's Angels will violently, violently defend ownership of any of their logos. Uh, the choreographed fight uh, with the punks in the men's room took five days to shoot, which I can see. That was like yeah. the only um, scene shot like in a studio, because everything else was in the streets of New York. Yep. Uh, in one take, uh, Michael Beck, who played Swan, swings a bat into Deborah's face in the scene where uh, he throws it at, a, at the cop. She was uh, rushed to the hospital at 3 a.m. for stitches and still has a scar. Man, she so she a, broke her wrist, got her face smacked with a bat. Those are like the same scene too, because that was they said that was in the, uh, or no, I, I guess the the bat would have been later. But uh, apparently, President Ronald Reagan was a uh, fan of the film, even calling the film's lead actor Michael Beck to tell him he had screened it at Camp David and enjoyed it. Which it seems a little out there, but Reagan was an actor, so I yeah. can see him being interested in stuff like this. He likes Star Wars, too. Did you hear about that? Well, fucking everyone likes Star Wars. <laughs> Not enough to name a missile defense system uh, <laughs> after it. <laughs> yeah, because what, what was the name of it? Star Wars. Was the name of the defense system? Star Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I guess I don't know if I heard that or not. Um. Swan was supposed to be abducted by a homosexual and sadomasochistic gang called the uh, the Dingoes. They had a bunch of Doberman pinchers, I guess. And then he was supposed to escape at the end and then lead the Warriors home, but that was scrapped. That sounds like a very 70s plot thing to, yeah. to do. Uh, Robert De Niro was apparently offered cowboy, but he passed on it. Um, James I don't know. I don't know if he would have made a good cowboy. Yeah kind of a minor part and he was already big at the time although it's weird having a cowboy in a uh, new york city gang yeah midnight cowboy <laughs> yeah but he was from dallas <laughs> uh james remar earned his role as ajax after becoming so involved in the audition reading of the park bench scene that he lifted the massive table around which the director and producers were sitting at which kind of he always seemed like he was just jacked up like he seems like he's on coke during this filming of this movie. Yeah. He's pretty intense. There's a lot of coke going around that time, so <laughs> no one, one surprised me. He, 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 was he super always looks sweaty and strung out as well. Yeah. He you was, notice that in 48 hours a bit. It's a uh, natural uh, appetite suppressant. Uh, they talked about some of the challenges of filming this movie in the streets of New York, like the kind of the, almost like treaties they had to make with gang leaders. Yeah. They didn't want their colors being worn. They didn't want people wearing other colors in their territory. Some of them they had to just kind of pay off. Some of them they let be in the movie. Yeah. Certain scenes as extras. They had to make sure the actors weren't wearing their colors offset. Yeah. Or, you know, off location. And even there was still occurrences where, like, they had to stop filming one scene because, like, a car chase or, like, a police chase went through. Yeah. Like the shot kind of there was one where they had to postpone or cancel shooting for a day because there was a double homicide like right next to their set <laughs> uh there's another time where they're 
one of their production vans and some equipment was vandalized and defaced and whatnot. It seems like a running theme for gang movies, you know, shot in the 70s. Yeah. Um, or even the 80s or 90s. Just movies in areas with a lot of gang traffic. There's a note here that says the crew once got urinated on uh, upon from a tower block due to the noise they were creating in the night. Which I don't know if I believe that one as much. Like well, the gangs is, were mad about the noise? Since when? Well, I don't know if it was the gangs or just like people. Could be, yeah, living but you'd in the think a buildings. gang member pissing somebody, in, you know, before a regular it, person. It didn't say it was a gang member, but yeah. it's New York. New Yorkers yeah, do shit like that. You shut up down there. <laughs> shut up at your face or I'll piss on it. That was a stereotypical Italian thing to say. I just have a few more. Well, I mean, there's a shit ton of gang names listed. Yeah. I can go through a few of them. Uh, the Black Hands, the Black Jacks, the Big Trains, the Boppers, the Boyle Avenue Runners, uh, the Colt 45s, the E Street Blazers, the E Street Shufflers. They're kind of the same. Um, the Easy Aces, High Rollers, Gunhill, the Gladiators. Uh, the Locos, Magicians, the Nickel Stakes, <laughs> the Panzers, bridge, or the Queen's Bridge Mutilators, <laughs> the Romans, the Runaways, <laughs> the Xenophones, the Xylophones, the Yo-Yos, the Youngbloods, the Zodiacs, and the Zulus. But there's like another like 70 listed. Right. Well, Walter Hill originally he wanted all black and Latino actors in the movie, but the production company wouldn't let him. They made him put some white people in there. Yeah, because they said like in the book there's white people in it, but none of the protagonists or main characters are white. They're yeah. all people of color. Yeah, he wanted the the warriors to all be black. Yeah, or at least maybe some Latino or you know Hispanic, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they didn't. So, you know, well, it wouldn't be commercially viable is the reason that the Paramount gave. I mean, it was a pretty diverse crew, you know, regardless. Uh, Tony Danza was apparently offered uh, the lead, but chose to, he was doing Taxi instead. Oh, my God. Could you imagine Tony Danza in this? <laughs> It'd be. Well, I guess if he was going to play Swan. I don't know if he could play Swan because his name's not Tony. <laughs> suppose like how many how many people did tony danza play that weren't named tony not very many yeah um yeah i think that's about all i had do you have any others you recall or see uh not off the top of my head i think we covered most of the most interesting ones um the dvd or the blu-ray has a couple of feature uh you know, special features, documentaries, et cetera, mm -hmm. interviews. So those are pretty interesting. I watched them in the past, but it's been quite a few years now. Um, but they are pretty interesting. Yeah, I can definitely see why this has become a cult film. I mean, it's just kind of a lot of fun. It's got that, you know, late 70s gritty feel to it. Yeah. Obviously, there's, there's always, I mean, movies from that time, there's always going to be stuff that you look at now you're like oh they got away with some stuff back then yeah. or you know at least pc culture wise you know it wasn't up to speed 
but um I think it's uh, it's another it's one a lot of, of fun. The, yeah, I think it's another one of those that I liked on repeated viewings because the the first time I saw it I was expecting more action, like mm-hmm. like violence and whatnot. And it's really not that kind of movie. It's more of a drama. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's about avoiding the violence as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um so if you you think of it that way, I think you'll get more out of it the first time you see it. But once you know what it is and you adjust your expectations, I think it gets a lot better. Yeah. I mostly just love the, the juxtaposition of the cinematography, the music. Um, I mean, fun premise that sets it all up, but everything just together kind of works for me. I don't need a lot of big battle scenes. Right. I just like seeing how it all fits together. And I, yeah, like I said, once you realize that that's what they're doing, you you see that they did a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Walter Hill, he was right in his prime at this point. Yeah. 48 Hours would come out a few years later, which, uh, isn't that, didn't you just DVR that shortly or a while no, ago? No, Beverly Hills Cop I got recording this weekend. You haven't seen 48 Hours though, right? No. Oh. No. I'll record that next time it's on. It's up there. <laughs> And there's the sequel, another 48 hours. Yeah, I've I've heard, I've heard <laughs> that there's a sequel. But I I saw that he was he did the Alien franchise too. Who? Walter Hill. Apparently, he was a writer on. Oh yeah, he was involved. But they that's like how he came across Michael Beck because Michael Beck had recorded an audition for Alien or Aliens. Alien. Well, yeah, it would have been but, Alien. I think I think it said. Uh, he saw Michael Beck in a movie with Sigourney Weaver because they were considering Sigourney for Alien. Yeah. And then he said, well, Michael Beck would be great in The Warriors. That's right. It was audition, yeah, for Sigourney, I think, for Alien. Yeah. That he saw Michael Beck in that. I was like, hey. Yeah, so he's watching for Sigourney and he saw Michael Beck and he's like, well, that guy would be great in this other movie that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to add to The Warriors? The Warriors. No. Uh, <laughs> it was them. No, I, I think all I could say is, uh, can you dig it? I can. Very much so. It's it's amazing. Cyrus just gets the, the biggest pops just by saying, can you dig it? <laughs> the more he says it, the, the louder the cheers. <laughs> it's like, like, okay, can you dig it? I'll get just some of you. Really? Are you sure? Can you dig it? Okay, more. Can you dig it? All right, all of you dig it. Yes. Okay. Just took him a little little coaxing to understand what he was saying. So, yeah, stay tuned for uh, we'll be having more fun leftovers as well as our uh, Summer Down Under with some Aussie films we'll be rolling out. We said we're going to be doing breakdowns of Wake and Fright and Animal Kingdom. We'll be doing a leftover of... Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. And then uh, I'll probably figure out another Aussie movie to do. And maybe uh, and we're still spitballing what we're going to do next for the summer of fun, but it'll be something fun. We've talked about Total Recall. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, so please do us a favor. Give us a rating and a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. That would be perfect if you went ahead and did that please 
follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie. Check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. And is that all? Did I say email? Email at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Suggestions, yeah. criticisms, whatevs. Whatevs. But uh, other than that, we will check you later. Facts. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Later. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.